going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to another exciting episode of Wrestling With My Thoughts. I'm here once again with the two other hosts of the show, Mr. Brandon and Kurt. Gentlemen, how are you doing this week? And how was your week, the first full week of 2023? Go ahead, Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> <coughs> Sorry. All right. Yeah, good morning, everybody. Um, um, forgive me. Um, having a for some reason I am having a hard time getting out the blocks this morning. But overall, first week of twenty twenty three was great. Um, uh, as far as work goes, uh, just you know trying to get stuff in order. So I, that's probably why I'm a little sluggish today. But you know, hey, it was a pretty good week. I'm happy to be alive, and you know, and we we, we off to the races. Yeah, it was a good week on my end as well. Uh, good short week, but now we're back to reality next week when we have a full five days of work. Man, let me tell you, <laughs> right? This this was the longest, shortest week for me ever because I we we were um, we were out of the office for observance of New Year's Day on Monday. Tuesday I had PTO. Wednesday and Thursday and Friday felt like an eternity, especially Wednesday and Thursday. Friday was okay, but man. This first week was the longest, shortest week ever. Um, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, we apologize for that lackluster uh, beginning to the show. Uh, but I think all three of us have, have felt the effects of this past week. Um, Brandon going back to work. Kurt had a short week, but a busy week. Um, myself, as I just said, Wednesday and Thursday were brutal. Uh, but here we are on a lovely, lovely Saturday morning to, to discuss everything we like about pro wrestling and we got a lot to talk about today um as we mentioned last week we're going to forego the the total review of aew dynamite um simply because we, we we're basically repeating ourselves week after week after week um there are some things we like about the show some things we don't like about the show so so in that vein uh kurt suggested that maybe we just do a good bad and ugly of AEW Dynamite, and Brandon and I agreed, thought that was a great idea, actually, um, because it, it cuts down on the, the time it takes to review an, uh, an episode of a show that we're basically basically going to say the same thing about week in and week out. So, um, Kurt, since it was, uh, it was your suggestion, uh, we'll let you kick off the very first AEW Good, Bad, and Ugly. All right, my good, bad, and ugly. So my good which I don't like him, but MJF promo, I thought that was very good. And uh, he makes you hate him, which he's doing his job, because I do hate him. <laughs> but I thought that was a very good promo. My bad was the Ricky Stark-Chris um, Jericho match, where um, he basically – was that the right match? Yeah, it was. Back. He basically didn't raise his hand all three times, but they let the match keep going. I'm like, what the fuck just happened here? He yep. lifted his hands up three times. He let it drop, but then you let the match keep going. I hmm. thought that was bad. And my ugly was the acclaim versus Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal. That match was terrible. Jeff Jarrett, you know, he talked all this shit on his podcast and got his ass kicked. I thought that was just ugly all around. Yeah, I uh, to to add something to your bad. Um, what I didn't understand is AEW consistently does not follow the rules of wrestling. Consistently. They do not. Every match. You, you are correct. So, so when they do something like they do 
or like they did rather on Wednesday where they restart the match because of this, that, or the other. It makes absolutely zero sense because any other time you wouldn't give a shit. You would just let it go. So it's, they pick and choose when they're going to follow the rules. So yeah, that's, that's a very good bad, if you will. Um, Brandon, what about your good, bad, and ugly? What you got? All right. So, uh, my good was with Kurt and I'm sitting up here thinking like, golly, Kurt took all my ass, but that's all right. No, it, you, it, we can have the same ones. It's just a different opinion. Right. So my good was MJF's promo. Uh, great job. Great job. I don't really like him either, but I'm like, you know what? Yeah, he's doing his job. All right, cool. Um, my bad was, well, really my bad and ugly because it kind of went like polar because everything else I just didn't really care. Um, but the, my, my bad and I guess my bad and ugly was that acclaim match with Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal, especially after I had the opportunity to sit down and listen to Jeff Jarrett's podcast, which I know we're going to get into in a little bit because everything that was said on the podcast is like, okay, now you go back on TV and you look back on it on TV. You didn't back none of that up. So I was like, okay. Um, and just to comment on the Jericho match, I thought the match was cool overall, and I didn't notice that, you know, the ref did what the ref did. Because I'm, And then that's when I went back and looked at it, I was like, well, damn, it should have been counted out. But, you know, that the state of refereeing and wrestling right now is totally trash. I think all across the board, just about. Um, it seems like nobody knows the rules anymore or just doesn't want to follow the rules. And like I said before, I'm like, if y'all just want to um, – go and do things ECW style, you might as well just establish that and let everybody know because what's the point of having a ref in the ring if they're not, the ref not even going to follow the rules and go into business for themselves, it seemed like. So that was my answer. Okay, so you're, you're bad and ugly are, are combined. Right. Right, okay, I want to make sure I understood that correct. Um, we're going we're gonna to touch on the Jeff Jarrett podcast because um, I, I thought one thing and then Kurt presented to me um, – uh, devil in the details sort of moment that I didn't catch on to uh, that I want to talk about specifically here in just a moment. But my good, y'all may laugh at it, but my good was the new entrance. Um, it is much better than that old setup. I hated that old setup. It reminded me of a wish version of the old TNA entrance. Um, so I'm glad they changed that. It makes them look, to me, it makes them look more major league, if you will. Um, so that was my good, oddly enough. Uh, my ugly, or I'm sorry, my bad was the acclaimed versus Jeff Jarrett and uh, Jay Lethal. Uh, going back to the podcast that we just mentioned, um, Jeff did talk a large amount of shit. And that's okay if he wants to use his podcast um, as a vehicle to help uh, further a storyline or build a storyline or, or build some heat, whatever. That's fine. But when it comes to the execution of the match, make sure you don't look like a second-rate jobber when you get in the match. The acclaimed Ram roughshod over Jarrett that entire match. Jarrett didn't look good at all. His words carried zero weight from the podcast to the show, in my opinion. Um, so that's my bad. Um, the ugly is a tie between the ladies' four-way match and the Moxley and uh, Hangman Page build. The ladies' match, 
It's full of what most of their ladies' matches are full of, just awkward moments, weird moments. Um, you can tell that people are following kind of a paint-by-numbers sort of uh, setup there. And you all know how I feel about John Moxley. I'm not a big fan. I, I think his his promos are like Bray Wyatt's, but but in a different way. He talks a lot, but never has a point, never has a, a, a finishing point. And I don't, me personally, I don't think that very many people are interested in a Moxley versus Hangman match. Now, I could be wrong about that, but that's my ugly. Those those two combined were just really ugly moments. This whole build for Moxley and Hangman has been weird anyway. Um, so that's my good, bad, and ugly for AEW Dynamite this past Wednesday um, folks, we're going to continue doing this as we go on, um, unless we, we find something that may be better to present to, to you all, the audience. So, Kurt, this, this, um, Jeff Jarrett, my, uh, my, what's, damn, what's the name of it? My Way? Yep. My World. Yeah. My World. My World. There we go. I don't know. I drew a blank. Sorry, y'all. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, um, on My World, Jeff addressed the previous week's promo um, and the fact that his wife was brought into it, Kurt Angle was brought into it, and much like he did for Ric Flair's last match to build up for that, um, he said this is real life. He brought up a lot of things that, that, I shouldn't say a lot of things, but several things that I didn't know about that whole situation. But he presented it to be, a real personal issue. And that's fine. I don't know what to believe and what not to believe because he's done it before with the Ric Flair last match. But he got his ass beat. And I I wanted to watch Dynamite for that specific reason, to see what may happen. And in that sense, I guess the, the build did the job. It got me interested. It got my eyeballs on the product. Um, but Kurt, you presented a scenario that I didn't think about when I said Kurt didn't didn't really live up to what he said, didn't do what he said, and you you told me what? Yeah. So well, I thought about it. So during the um, his podcast, Conrad was like, "Well, Jeff, have you talked to uh, Tony Khan about this?" And he said, "No, we're gonna settle this in the ring." But I think, and I could be wrong, and I'm just playing devil's advocate. I think that after that podcast, because I, I think Tony's a big wrestling fan, and because Jeff worked for him, that somebody brought it to Tony's attention, like, hey, you really need to listen to this. And I think Tony may have went to Jeff and was like, hey, I, I understand you, how you feel, but I don't think we you can do this in the ring tonight. And I think maybe that's why he held back, because – it make him look bad because I think he did a very good job when the Ric Flair build up. Even though they lost, he did his job to make everybody want to see it. Yeah. But in that instance, you know, you talk all this shit and then you look terrible in the ring. Mm -hmm. It was just totally bad. And even if even if Tony told you to do that, you could have made it look way better than what it did Wednesday because that was awful. Yeah. And that was – first and foremost, let me address with the, the scenario that you presented. That's that's highly possible, um, and if it did happen, I guess that's a good thing for for Tony Khan to, to try to to I guess limit or or put a lock on some of the chaos going on in his company 
with regards to um, some of the issues going on backstage or whatever. But I'm like you, Kurt. If you're going to talk this shit, you can still lose the match. You can still put the acclaimed over. But you, you're talking all this shit. You got to go out and, and start off strong. They can get the advantage later on. I just think that this was a very poorly booked match. Um, it didn't do any favors for the acclaimed. It certainly didn't do any any favors for uh, Jeff Jarrett or Jay Lethal, for that matter. Jay Lethal is a is a non factor in AEW, and that's a that's a fucking crime. Mm-hmm. So, um, so moving right along, we'll we'll jump into the SmackDown review for last night's episode, January sixth. Um, overall, I thought this was a, a pretty good episode. It wasn't great, but it wasn't bad either. Um, I did like the way the show jumped off and you guys, when, when, when you chime in here, feel free to let me know if you feel the same way that I do in that I, I think that WWE knows that the bloodline is rocket hot right now. And they're starting off the show with them to get people invested to see the bloodline and hoping to take that audience to tune in to see the bloodline through the rest of the of the show until the bloodline comes back to do whatever they're going to do for the main event or whatever. Um, I like the Rome uh, the Roman Reigns promo that he cut and that he was just he was grilling the shit out of Sami Zayn, which I thought was was really good, and I was halfway expecting that. I knew he was going to say, "Look, it wasn't me; it was him." But I didn't expect him to to accuse Sammy of trying to get the top dog spot, um, which I thought was really interesting. And I'm I'm not really eager to see a, a Roman Reigns Kevin Owens match, but I think the dynamic of Sammy Zayn being involved gives a little something different to it. So maybe that'll factor in somehow. Brandon, what did you think about this this opening segment? Did you like it? I loved it. Um. Like like you, I didn't expect for uh, I didn't even expect for Roman to go off on Sammy the way he did and the way he went off right. on him. Like, you going you going off on him like that's his daddy, golly. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, Jesus was, Christ, he just went slam off on him like like <laughs> Sammy in the corner. He sold it well because he's like he's in the corner like oh am I, am I, is he about to take his belt off like what what the hell you know what I'm saying he's like you know you know hey what like that man chill out <laughs> you know like. <laughs> Well, yeah, I think most, but we most of us have been there. So that was, you know, that that was great. Um, anytime, anytime that bloodline is in the ring, all of them, and you know, Roman's getting ready to, you know, do his thing, and Paul and all that. Man, it's just that's must see TV right now. Must yeah. see because they have hit home runs consistently for the last year. It seems like so. Um, but yeah, I thoroughly, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um. Well, I guess I'm gonna pass it on to Kirk because I don't want to jump too hit, jump too far. <laughs> no, you're fine, man. Um, but but to to comment on what you said, yeah, the way he lit in this, into Sammy definitely reminded me of a of a father lightning into his child or um, or granddad. Yeah, yeah. And the way he went about it, he was like, "I don't want to talk about this year. I want to talk about last year." And <laughs> It, just his whole delivery was good to me. Kurt, like, what, what, wait, hold on. Well, I don't mean to, but don't it seem 
we all have had that moment with our parents where it's like you thought that they you did something stupid and then they didn't address it right away. And then some maybe a few days later, a week later, you thought everything was all good. And then it was like, oh, about that thing that you did last week or what you said last week. That's what that kind of reminded me of. Right. It was kind of it was kind of my mom's was notorious for that. <laughs> it was it was kind of like Sammy was the kid that was like, okay, whew, nothing happened last week. Everything's yeah. cool. I got away with this one. Oh, shit. Here comes dad. I see that. Like, <laughs> in the spirit of my students getting their uh, court cards on Monday. Like, yeah, man. You see that great? This thing, you know, uh, I need to, hey, hey, come on over here. I need to holler at you. <laughs> Kurt, what about you? <laughs> what about you? Me and Brandy don't mean to dominate that conversation, but um, what did you think about this? I thought it was good, and I agree with you on how the WWE, because I do think they're doing a good job of, presenting the bloodline early to make people stay on to tune in to what's going to happen next. So I think they're doing a good job with that. And I also yeah. think that uh, Sammy and Roma have great chemistry together. Yes. I'm, yes, I'm not do. a big, I'm not a big Sammy Zayn fan, but they have great chemistry together and the on screen storyline is very good to me. I agree. I, I think this is cash money shit right here. It, it is. Um, the, I mean, it's some of the best stuff they've done in a long time. Yeah, and, yeah I agree. Yeah, it's it's like, <laughs> I mean, we 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 fawn over it every week. We we talk about it over and over and over. But that's because it's good shit, and it keeps us interested. If yep. if not the entire show, at least on what's going on with them. Yep. So, but speaking about the rest of the show, uh, first matchup was Kofi Kingston versus Santos Escobar. Um, Escobar wins with a little bit of outside interference. It's a pretty good match. Um, I personally like Kofi, but I like him without New Day. Um, I like him outside of that New Day persona. Um, so it wasn't a, wasn't a bad match, um, to start off the show. I'm wondering where they're going to go with this, with, with Santos Escobar getting the win, um, because, I don't know if this is a build to Big E possibly coming back to, to help out somehow. I don't know. Uh, but it's it was just kind of weird to, to see that, that decision on the finish. Um, what do you think about it, Kurt? I thought this shit sucked. Really? I don't, yeah. The, the finish I, I, or the whole match? Just the whole match. Okay. I don't know. Because I, I knew once they, because this is what I thought. You bring, so New Day are the end of NXT champions, World Tag Team champions. So when I bring them up, I knew he was going to lose right off the bat with that. But then this faction that they are going against, they suck. I don't know why WWE is pushing them so hard, but I don't like nobody in this group at all. This was fucking terrible to me. Yeah, I, I know a lot of people that feel that way, and, and I haven't liked New Day for a while, and there's some very specific reasons. No, why I'm not talking about New Day. I'm talking about this other group. Oh, the other dude. My, my dad. The, the what's the is it Legado del Fantasma? Yeah, they suck. Uh, all right, so Brandon, what did you think about the match? Um, good, bad, piece of um, shit. I, what? Nah, man, I, I thought I thought the match. I thought the match was okay. Um, you know, I'm a I'm a big Kofi Kingston fan. Always had been since he was talking Jamaican, fake Jamaican. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I didn't expect for Santos Escobar to get the win like that but i'm like hey you just pinned the former world champion let's see where this goes and to your point run i was actually sitting there thinking i'm like i don't know if big e's gonna come back from that neck injury 
But I think to put them three against them three, that would be a, it's a fresh matchup. Um, yeah. I think that the act with New Day, their current state right now, I think it, it is growing. It's stale because it's like we've seen it what for almost the last what six seven years, yeah. maybe longer than that. So I'm like, okay, I think now it's kind of time to kind of take them off TV for a little bit and repackage them because I really love those three guys together. And you know who know we don't know if Biggie's going to be able to come back from that neck injury or not. But if it's just them two, I just kind of feel like some kind of way they just need to go away for a while, maybe after WrestleMania, and just they need to repackage them and present them in a different light, and then maybe you know just bring some freshness to it because I'm like we've been looking at the, they've been doing the same shtick for the last several years, and it gets it's just it's, it's old now. Like, all right, give me something else. Yeah. Um, and to be honest, my personal favorite version of Kofi was when he was, you know, he was solo when I think Big E and uh, uh, Xavier. Uh, Xavier Woods, thank you. Uh, Xavier Woods, I think they were both hurt. And so Kofi, and then somebody got hurt in the, in the match for the, I think, an Elimination Chamber. And Kofi went in and did that that thing with uh, Daniel Bryan, you know, going for the title and winning the title. That was my favorite version. Yeah. I'm like, I wish we could get, kind of get that back because that was huge at the time. So, yeah. Um, um, and that was and that was one of the better storylines that the WWE has done in the last 10, 15 years. So um but yeah, I mean I thought the match was fine for what it was. Um I but I just think that the do they ain't the way that they present themselves is stale. We just need something fresh. Well, yeah, and since I misunderstood Kurt, now I can can continue my uh my rant on New Day. <laughs> but I I like all three of those gentlemen independently. <clears throat> I like them collectively as a group. I just don't like New Day. Um, and I have some very specific reasons for not liking New Day. I feel like a lot of the things they have done with New Day um, cross a certain line for me. It panders to certain stereotypes and things of that nature. And so I've never really liked the faction New Day, but I like all three of those guys. Um, moving right along, we go to. Hold some- on, Ron. Kurt said that he had a comment when you. Oh, go ahead, Kurt. I'm sorry. So, um, let me. I want to make sure I understand what y'all just said. So, let's say Big E comes back. Y'all would really like to see the New Day go up against this faction here. I'm not saying. No, I mean, we, we. It doesn't have to happen. No, I'm you know saying, what I'm saying? you would want. But see I was it. just kind of looking. I was like, well, it'll be three on three because that's just what we're kind of used to now. It doesn't have to happen because we don't even know if Vicky's even coming back or not. I mean, yeah, and and it doesn't have to happen. It's not so much that I would like to see it. It just seems like the the logical direction to take. You've got right. a three man group and another three man group. It seems and a potentially returning Big E. It just seems like that's the natural path to take. Um, yes. Okay, but do you do you really believe you think this other faction is good? To be even be on. Uh, nobody said. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, there's plenty of matches that they put on that aren't, that aren't good. But I just, I'm um, like, this is a waste of time. I, I, I mean, who knows? Who else? If you're gonna keep the new day intact, who else are you gonna put up? Who, who, no, who no, I'm just saying. I just don't want to see either one of them. I, I agree with with all what y'all said is you know break the new day up. They, all of them need to be just individual wrestlers and not be a team anymore. Because I agree with you, Brandon. It's stale. I think that's why they send them back to NXT because don't nobody on the main um, roster want to see him anymore. I definitely beat everybody. Yeah, but but it's it, but you got to reinvent them. I agree. That's why I agree with what you said. Reinvent them and do yeah. something different because what they doing now it is stale, very stale. Now on yeah. on the subject of Big E, um, 
there's a person that I work with that won some uh, tickets to a Hawks game um, at our office Christmas party. And one of the pictures they got was of Big E at the game. Um, so he has been, well, of course, I'm sure he's been spotted other places too, but he has been seen by me at least recently. Um, didn't have any sort of neck brace on or anything like that. Uh, so who knows? He may or may not come back. And to the idea of, of reinventing New Day, I agree, but what do you do? Um, and we don't have to spend any time on that. I'm just pitching that as a, as a question. Um, so, Kurt, great question to us about wanting to see that. I don't necessarily want to see it, but I just think that's the natural way to progress things if Big E is coming back. So, in between matches, we saw Sami Zayn backstage trying to get into the Bloodline locker room to explain himself and to uh, kind of get back on the good side of Roman Reigns. As much as you like the dynamic of Roman Reigns and Sami Zayn, I think the, the the interaction between Paul Heyman and Sami Zayn is just as good. Um, I agree. I agree. Great stuff between them. And then the Usos come and, and they go into the locker room with no problem. And Sami's left out in the cold. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see where that goes. Then you had a recap of L.A. Knight and Bray Wyatt. Um, I think this pitch black match is going to be a huge dud. Um, yeah. just, be- just because of the concept of the match. I mean, given, I think both Bray Wyatt and Eli Drake, LA Knight, are, are good enough wrestlers to have a decent match. I just think the, the concept is going to ruin it. I think he's going to be a dud. Um, then, uh, we move into our second match. Well, before I go any further, either one of you guys have anything to say about the Sami Zayn being left out in the cold or, Bray, uh, Bray Wyatt, got, L.A. Knight. I got something about the blackout match. What's up? Um, think about it. Every just about every gimmick match Bray Wyatt has ever been in, stunk. Mm-hmm. They they all stunk. They even how how would the hell do you ruin a hell in the cell match? You know what I mean? <laughs> they all stunk. Then they had that championship match in one of those WrestleManias. I think it was that first one in New York or somewhere. And next thing you know, him and Randy Orton in the ring, next thing you know, you get a shot over the ring and there's damn maggots and shit everywhere. And it's like, for what? Like, every gimmick match they, they, Bray Wyatt has ever been in, maybe, maybe it's one of, those elimina- one of those elimination chambers that he won the title in, but they all stunk. So I'm Absolutely. like, why are they putting them in another gimmick match? We don't even know what the hell it is. Absolutely. A pitch black match? Absolutely nothing beats the fuckery. That was that match between him and John Cena. When the uh, when the uh, when the was it the kids came out and started singing or something? Yeah, and I can't remember. Oh yeah, I forgot all. That was a I can't even I remember what that. they called that match, but where John Cena was transported back to the Doctor Thugonomics, then he was the prototype. Oh and, no 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 no, that was the WrestleMania match. Okay, with, with, that was but, that one. That was that one during the pandemic. Okay, yeah, yeah, that was that was shit, pure horseshit. It was stupid um, as hell. <laughs> Kurt, you got any comments on either one of these things going on backstage with Sammy or with uh, Bray Wyatt, L.A. Knight? I like Sammy and uh, uh, Paul Heyman. I like that segment. Agreed. Agreed. I thought, going back to last week, um, I thought um, Sammy greeting um, 
greeting Paul Heyman, telling him happy Hanukkah, and and Heyman greeting Sammy, saying uh, happy Ramadan. I thought that was hilarious because it, it, because it paid homage to both of their faiths. I thought it was hilarious. Um, they so, doing they they're doing good work with that yes. bloodline, Sami Zayn, Paul Heyman. They're doing good work. Good. I'm going to be sad. I'm going to be sad when it's over. Don't, sh- don't talk about that. Uh, yeah. Hopefully, I'm <laughs> oh, sorry. We 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 gotta we gotta punch you in the head next time we see you. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm I'm just very realistic. Okay. <laughs> I know it's co- all good things come to an end eventually, but oh, let it man. ride out as long as it can. <laughs> let it ride as long as it can, boy. This is it gets better and better every week. So then we come up on our second match of the night, uh, Karrion Cross and Scarlett versus Madcap Moss and Emma in a mixed tag match. Um, the Karrion Cross entrance is way too much for a TV show. That shit needs to be saved for a pay-per-view, um, something special, but that is too much for a TV intro. It takes too long. Um, Karrion Cross and Scarlett win in a very, very basic match, quick match. Nothing much to talk about it. Um, Kurt, you have any opinions on this one? No, but I do like Karrion Cross. I think, I think he could be a superstar if they push him the right way. I cannot make up my mind on him. I like him, but then I don't. So I'm, I'm still waiting. I guess I don't know. Doesn't make sense to probably be another. I, 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 I definitely understand. I just, I, I just think if they push him the right way, I think he could be something special. Yeah, he's. I mean, he's got the look, but yeah. Uh, yeah so I would, I would be interested in seeing what they could do with him. Um, Brendan, what about you? You got anything to say about this uh, mixed tag match? No, not nothing about the match. But um, I agree with both of y'all. Um, Karen Cross could be a big star. I love the presentation, and I just want to see him get in there with you know some of the big dogs and see what he can do and see how it goes. Now, what I what I will say, and and maybe a little misogynistic, but all the hype around Scarlett, I don't see it. You mean, as far as her being a wrestler, uh, just her her <clears throat> being that it woman looking good and all that. I just I don't see it. As opposed to the as opposed to the previous lady that was that was out there, Zelina Vega, um, I don't see that. What? I don't see that. But she fine as hell. Uh, yeah, I don't see it. <laughs> wait, wait, Zelina Vega? Yeah, I don't see it, but she fine as hell. Yeah, made made my eyes playing tricks on me, but I don't see that at all. I like her as a valet. Yeah, let me. I, I like her as a valet. I'm I'm completely dumbfounded right now. <laughs> no, like, but no, but I'm I'm dead serious. Like, as a manager, valet, that, that's I feel like that's her. I'm saying I understand that part, but as far as just being attractive and looking good to me, I I don't see it. I, I mean, that that's cool. It's your opinion, but I, yeah. all I know is that uh, Alistair Black or Malachi Black or whatever his name is now, he's a very looking man. <laughs> then again, some some more backstage stuff uh, between uh, matches is a really weird interaction between Sheamus and Drew McIntyre. Um, I'm not interested in those two as a tag team. I'm not interested in Drew McIntyre at all. Um, that that's kind of harsh to say, but I just I think that WWE and this is weird to say when I'm when I'm lumping him in with Sheamus, but They've started and stopped with him so many times. I just don't pay attention to him now. 
And I think the difference with Sheamus right now is that he's in a good faction with the Brawling Brutes, and they've done some good stuff. But this was a weird interaction. They kept hitting each other. Um, I thought they were going to start fighting. Say what? I thought they were going to start fighting for a second. I did too. I did too. I thought it would eventually start with them two brawling and then come out and somehow that would play out in the tag team match. Um, so Kurt, you got anything to say about McIntyre and Sheamus at all? Or? I do. I, I agree with you on, on McIntyre. I do think they just started and stopped with him too many times that nobody is interested in what he's doing right, right now, in my opinion. I yeah. just don't, yeah, you can't keep doing that because you turn fans off. Yeah, exactly. They did the exact same thing with Big Show. Big Show became, yeah. Um, what, what can I say? It, he became n- nobody, and that's yeah. a shame. That dude was too talented, especially at that size, to become a nobody. Um, and uh, after that, Charlotte comes out to cut a good promo. Um, can I ask you a question? Like, maybe it's just been uh, so long since I've seen her because she's been gone for eight months. Does she look different to you? Yeah, she got some work done. Okay, I, I she's Kurt- definitely got some work done. Kurt, yeah, did you absolutely. see it too? Yeah, she has had some work done. Yeah. Okay, I just and, and no knock on her. I just it, it was just some. It's not as extreme as uh, Dana Brooke, but no, because um, I didn't even recognize Dana Brooke. I didn't either. But it's not as extreme. I just thought maybe it was me because I hadn't seen her in a minute. But she just looked different. Um. So anyway, then Sonya Deville comes out, interrupts her, calls her out, and that leads to. Uh, an impromptu match between Charlotte and Sonya Deville. And, of course, Charlotte wins to nobody's surprise. Um, what did Kurt, what did you think about this match for a the, the first actual, I guess, real match for Charlotte after her return? I, th- I thought it was decent. It wasn't bad. I yeah. thought it was decent. Okay. What about you, Brandon? You got anything? Same. I thought it was cool. Um, for some reason, even though I read on the internet, they were like, Ronda Rousey said she's going to go for the tag titles now, I guess for Shayna Baszler, but I was just kind of looking to see if, you know, Ronda Rousey was going to try to come back out and get her lick back, but that didn't happen. So, oh well. It was what it was. Uh, I mean, I think the, just this is just my opinion. I think the WWE has realized that any, any upsides Ronda Rousey had, has been used, I guess. And she, I mean, she's just stale. I I didn't like her as a wrestler from day one. I knew it would bring eyes to the product, but I wasn't a fan of her as a wrestler. And I just think that, that that whole persona that she carries has just blah with the fans. But I think, so this, I I think they should have, they still should have had the Charlotte match with, um, Rhonda at uh the Royal Rumble. Rumble. Yeah, yeah, I agree with I still, that. I, I, I still think people would have tuned in and you get viewership off of that. Yeah, so I, I think they missed the boat on that one because I think that they put a trigger way too early on that. 100, 100% agree on that. I do think that they should have, despite what I just said about Ronda Rousey, I do think there's money in a return match. So, uh, And not to have it doesn't make any sense to me either. Yeah, yeah it's like Ronda just tucked her tail between her legs and went away. Yeah, I don't like it. But you know what? They could, could they could come up with a story out of that, and they'll be like, hey, well, you know what? Ronda, pretty much Ronda scared of it. That's why she never went back and tried it again, because she know that, you know, when Charlotte is at 100%, she can't beat her. So 
Maybe that's something that I was thinking about too. But I'm with Kurt. Like, well, we discussed it last week. I'm like, I wish they would have waited. I wish we could have got that match at the Rumble because I think everybody would have tuned in to see that. So, yeah. And I think it would have been much more impactful. Right. Uh, Correct. At the. And then you could could play on because Ronda could have just bagged out and be like, hell no. Like, I beat you already. I'm not. You got to go to the back of the line or whatever. And then once it came time for it, Ronda, like, we could kind of tell, like, Ronda feel like she really can't beat her. Yeah. Next so. up, we've got a uh, Royal Rumble qualifier <laughs> match between Ricochet and Top Dollar. Uh, Ricochet wins in a eh, – it was a match, but um, I'm, I'm not big on Hit Row. I'm certainly not big on Top Dollar. Um, it was what it was. Uh, Top Dollar offered Ricochet a handshake or, hand, or Ricochet offered him a sh- handshake. However, it went down. It ended up in a beatdown by Hit Row on Ricochet, and out came Mr. Stuffalophagus to make the save. Wow. <laughs> um, I got nothing to say about that. It's going to lead to a tag team match uh, between those individuals, and it's not something that I'm really looking forward to. Um. So, yeah, I'm just – I'm not intrigued by a match between those four at all. Um, Brandon, what do you think about this match and where we seem to see it going with uh, Hit Row and Strowman and Ricochet? Man, break that damn group up. <laughs> That's all I was thinking the whole time. Break that damn group up. I knew they were going to turn heel. Um, uh, top dollar, he needs to be repackaged. Seriously, and probably need to go back. All of them need to go back to NXT and get some more work done. But once again, I think with them, it's all about the presentation, and them not having Swerve in the group is uh, it ain't hit row, hit row. Because when all three, four of them were together, they were actually pretty decent when they were in NXT. But man, break that group up or do get them off TV because don't nobody want to see them. Don't nobody care. <laughs> um, I think most of us saw that heel turn coming. Because, you know, hey, they gave him, he <laughs> bust his ass over the top rope or whatever. That gave him a reason. But I'm just like, who cares? Like, y'all, no, this this not, it ain't working. Something just not, something is just not clicking here. Um, You know, cause I, mean, I feel like everybody is in the, I feel like everybody, if they're packaged, well, not, I can't say everybody because some people legitimately suck. But <laughs> if they're just, if, if they're just kind of presented, they present themselves in a certain way and they just do some of the things that they need to do as far as getting themselves over. I think they will be fine and be more over with the fans. But this is just, I'm like, ever since the first time they came back, I'm just like, nah, this ain't right. So break that. Just, yeah. Oh, man. Then uh, Mr. Snuffleupagus, <laughs> what you call him? Yeah. <sighs> and that's it. I, he needed to because I'm like, basically, you, ba- you basically Braun Strowman. I, I I I like Braun Strowman better as a heel when he was a monster heel and he was flipping over ambulances and stuff. I thought that was cool. So I'm like, well, I think that's – but then again, you can only do that but so much because you don't want your character to be one-dimensional. So, you know, I don't know. I don't really – Ricochet is a – Ricochet is Ricochet. He can do his own thing on his own. He's amazing. But it's just the whole presentation, man. I'm just like, who cares? Kurt. What did you have to say about this match? Was it uh, was it worth anything to you? Not at all. Uh, <laughs> this, this hit row. I don't know who I, who idea was this to put them on the main roster, but they 
need to redo this whole group. They suck. Absolutely. They suck. I, I'm like, what? The, they don't. It makes no sense at all. T- send them back down to NXT, break them up, try to repackage them as well because they need a lot of work. Yeah, got a lot of work. And and top dollar and just then, don't fit in. No. So then the second thing is, you know, Ricochet is a good wrestler. Don't put him in the tag team with Braun Strowman. And my thing with that is, if y'all brought Strowman back to do this, you should have just kept him off of, don't even bring him back. Yeah. Don't I even agree. bring him back because this is this, this stupid. Mm-hmm. You bring in Ricochet down, you're not trying to push him, which I think Ricochet is a good wrestler and could be going against people like um, AJ Styles to have good matches. But to do this stuff right here, it's stupid. Yeah. It makes no sense at all. None. Yeah. And and I discovered, you guys, I may be blowing up some people's childhood right now, but I discovered we have all been saying Mr. Snuffleupagus all wrong. Yeah. <laughs> it's Mr. Snuffleupagus. And I know and oh I'm, I'm saying that mainly as a joke, but yeah, that's really how you, Mr. Snuffleupagus. <laughs> I've been saying Mr. Snuffleupagus all my life. All of us have. So, if you learn nothing else from this episode of Wrestling With My Thoughts, you learn how to pronounce Mr. Snuffleupagus. Kurt, don't let your kids make the mistake I made and call him Snuffleupagus. Make sure they say it right. Okay. We still gonna say Mr. Snuffleupagus. Fuck it. That was lame as shit. That was lame as shit, so we gonna move right along. Um... Main event time, the Usos versus Sheamus and Drew McIntyre. Um, it was a good match. It was it was okay. Um, the the Bloodline did what the Bloodline does, and that broke down the, the brawling brutes to run them off. Um, Sammy, <laughs> Sammy and Rome is sitting there literally eating popcorn watching this match. That was, was hilarious to me. That was funny as hell. So, yeah, that was um, funny. I, although, like I said, although I I don't really care for Drew McIntyre, um, I do think if they're going to continue to make some kind of rivalry between the Brawling Brutes and the Bloodline, you got to have another guy there. So it makes sense to have Drew McIntyre in that group. Uh, Kurt, what do you think about this main event match? I think it was uh, decent for what it was. It, you know, I wasn't looking for a five-star match, but it was good. Agreed, agreed. Brandon, any final thoughts on this uh, main event match? I thought it was a good main event. And that, uh, the, the backstage thing with Sami Zayn and Roman eating popcorn together. Was, yeah. That it, was <laughs> <laughs> and, and the facial expressions. Man. Oh, man. That was working. They got all of it working. Golly, they clicking on all cylinders, man. Yes. But, no, nah, it was a good main event. And um, I enjoy seeing – I enjoy seeing those guys on TV. Even um Drew McIntyre, I I enjoy seeing them on TV every week and just you know just looking at everything developing all that. So it's it's yeah I was you know it's uh, overall man this this SmackDown this week was uh was pretty good so very happy with it. Okay, and next up we we're, we're going to talk about something <laughs> that we're a little bit behind on. But I think only because it it occurred around Christmas time, and then you had New uh, New Year's right behind that, so we none of us really had a chance to to sit down and gather our thoughts about it. But the new Ric Flair documentary, uh, Becoming Ric Flair, that debuted on the twenty sixth of December on the Peacock Network, 
I would suggest any fan of wrestling watch it. You may or may not like it, but watch it just so you can you can get a feel of what it is we're going to be talking about here. Um, when I first heard that they were going to do another Ric Flair documentary, I asked the question on social media: Do we really need one? Because I think we've pretty much seen everything we can see about Ric Flair. Um, and and I'll go first in saying that I actually like this documentary. I don't think it's the best one that's been done, but I did like it. I, I primarily liked more information on his upbringing. Um, I, I knew the story about him being a, a, a black market baby, being bought by the parents that, that raised him. Um, but there was some stuff I didn't know. Um, maybe I just missed it, but I didn't know that he went to a private school and all of that. Uh, so it was interesting to see. And it was also interesting to see some of his answers to some of the questions. Um, I like the fact that it seems as though this interviewer didn't hold anything back. He asked the questions that he wanted to ask without any restraint. Um, and with something that's affiliated with WWE, that's a little odd. Normally that doesn't happen. Um, the interview takes place in Ric Flair's $2 million home. <laughs> and as much financial trouble as Ric Flair has had over the years, he even talks about it in this documentary. It just blows me away. He's living in a fucking $2 million home. Um, <laughs> there are some things that, that I picked up from this documentary, but I want to bring you two in to, to give your thoughts on it. And, you know, we can discuss it together, but, um, Brandon, watching this documentary, did you learn anything different about Ric Flair that you didn't already know? Um, let's see, off the top of my head, um, I learned a little bit more about his upbringing. Um, I didn't know that he was, I thought he was just adopted, but I didn't know that he was a black market baby. So that was new. Um, and he, you know, candidly went in about when he was uh, going through his rehab and all that, how, you know, he was on, they sent him to rehab and he get, went to the bar and he had like 10 Bloody Marys or something and a six pack and like 10 vodka cranberries or whatever that was. Yeah. And went to rehab and got out and pretty much went back, went for 30 days and went back and did the same thing. I didn't know that he was an alcoholic that bad. Um, and also, I, you know, for me, the saddest part, the hardest part of the documentary to watch is when he was talking about, um, Reed and when he passed. Mm -hmm. And I just didn't, I didn't know that he, I, I just didn't know it was that bad, you know, and that was, that was just, that, that, that was kind of a downer. That was sad. That was kind of hard to watch. Um, and, uh, so yeah, you know, overall, that's pretty much what I learned because it kind of, for me, the documentary went more in depth about his personal life yeah. versus like the wrestling side of it. And so that's why, I, you know, I, that's why I said it was probably one of the best do documentaries I've seen because I kind of feel like I know Ric Flair more as a person. Cause they, and they, you know, they kind of separated like who is Richard Flair and then who is Ric Flair. And then it's like, okay, yeah. Richard Flair is this guy, but pretty much Richard Flair has been living as Ric Flair for like 50, some 50, 60, some odd years. Yeah. So, yeah. And we'll, we'll get him in, into the wrestling side as, as we discuss this a little bit more, but right. I agree with you on the personal side. Um, like I said, it wasn't too much that I learned from this documentary that I didn't already know. Uh, but it was just interesting. I, I I would rather see some some more stuff 
before we get into the wrestling side stuff, I would have rather seen more personal side stuff, um, more in depth stuff for that. Kurt, what did what did you think? Did uh, me and you are, are in the same age range? Um, did you learn anything from this documentary that you didn't already know? I did. I never knew he was adopted or a black market baby. So when I saw that, that was very new to me. I never knew that. As long as I've been watching wrestling and been, you know, um, knowing about Rick Flair, I never knew that. Never yeah. knew that. That was, that was very shocking to me. And I think this documentary was better than 30 for 30, but I I thought it could have been better. And we'll talk about that as we go on. Yeah. The the adoption agency um, that that he was in, I learned about that adoption agency before. Well, I knew at that time that Ric Flair was adopted, but I didn't know that it was from that agency. That agency had a long history of selling babies. Um, I mean, a huge history of selling babies. I just never knew that he was adopted or bought realistically from that agency. So that I didn't know. And, and again, learning that he was a black market baby, um, and seeing the old footage of him, um, him and Reed look just alike. Yeah. David looks, I, I won't say looks nothing like him. I thought Charlotte looked like him, but seeing old pictures of Ric Flair and seeing Reed, Reed is a spitting image of his father, at least facially. Yep. Um, I had a chance to see Reed wrestle um, in a show in McDonough, Georgia, independent show in McDonough, Georgia. Man, it's probably been 10, 12, maybe even 15 years ago. Um, good kid in the ring. Um, got a chance to meet him briefly after the show. Um, but uh, I did have that opportunity. And talking about Ric Flair's alcoholism, um, I have a family member. I'm not going to put who it is out there, but I have a family member who is a recovering alcoholic and has been clean and so well recovering drug addict as well, but has been clean and sober for well over 40 years. Hmm. And they tell me that even to this day, it's not as intense as it used to be, but even to this day that every now and again, they'll still have a, uh, an urge to have a drink. So when watching this, I'm hearing Ric Flair post getting out of the hospital, all the shit he's drinking. And then to say, oh, help, 100%. I'm perfectly fine. There's no I way. I didn't believe it. I don't either. I don't either. And Kurt, Kurt, feel free to chime in anytime you want on this one. But I, there's no way he's drinking that much alcohol and in good health. No. I, I, I don't believe that at all. I do not believe that Rick Flair is and in that's 100% the one thing he, he, he's delusional about, but it's nobody around him that can make him stop. And, he's not going to stop. And I think the only person that was around him that had the, the slimmest of chances of getting him to stop, they're not together anymore. And that's Wendy Barlow. I think she was very good for him. I can't speak about the other wives that he had because I don't, I don't know as much about them. Um, but I think she was a good fit for him. And then they're no longer together. He's back dating like ladies that are in their thirties and twenties or whatever, which I think is insane for a 73 year old man. My father is 73. Um, so yeah, I, I, I just feel like another thing I gleaned out of this was Ric Flair at 73 
is still Ric Flair at 33. That means for 40 years, it seems like there's been no progress as a person. And that's easy for me to say because I'm not in his his personal life, but just looking at the persona that he puts out both publicly and when he does something as intimate as an interview like this or a documentary like this, he's still presenting himself as the party boy. And for all know. intents and effects, he still is. Yeah, that's not going to change at all. It's not. It, but it, I think... In silly dives. That's not going to change at all. I think that based on some of the stuff that he was saying... I think that that was I think that that character that he's playing right now, that wrestling character, is the part that's was covering up. It's covering up the real person because the real person is probably the complete opposite. Yep, I, I and think. he and he figures like, hey, I've been riding this wave as this uh, character for this amount of time. I've made this much money, and I'm pretty much a national treasure, a world treasure, or whatever. Why would I want to go ahead and let this persona go? And then if I do decide to let this persona go, then this other person is going to kick in that is not as confident as this guy. Because he said in the documentary, uh, Ric Flair is like, he's the most confident man in the world, the ladies man, and all this, that, and the third. But Richard Flair is really the exact opposite. And maybe, you know, I don't know. Maybe he just he's just like, hey, I, I've been doing this this long. I'm still here. I'm going to keep on doing it until the wheels fall off. Yeah. Why not? I don't want to be that, that other that, guy. That, that other guy is not as interesting as the guy that I no. portrayed on TV. And that's what years. he believes, and he's going to believe that to the, to the day he dies. Yep, yep. Because he's going to ride. He's going to ride. He's going to ride the character, the Nature Boy Ric Flair, all the way to the grave. Because I don't think yep. he. I ain't. Nah, I shouldn't say that. But he's going to ride it all. He's going to ride it all the way out. Yeah, I um, it, it it's both. It's a testament to his greatness as a wrestler living that persona 24-7, but it's also sad to watch. As, as a 47-year-old man myself, watching mm-hmm. a 73-year-old man still carry himself like that. Look, I, I I do things at 47 that I never saw my parents do at 47 in terms of doing things for fun or doing hobbies that I like or whatever. For God's sakes, I collect Funko Pops at 47. I collect toys at 47. So it's not that I'm shitting on him enjoying life. It's just how hard he's living that life at the age he is right now. Yeah. And he's a, he's a lucky man. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think he's it's a lucky man. I think it's going to be, it, it's going to be a national day of mourning the day he does take his last breath. Yep. And I do think that, I, and I think he knows this as well, that, that he he has been a very lucky man. Um, but like you said, it, uh, I think it was you, Brendan, that just said it. Hey, I've done it for this long. Might as well, I'm doing something right. Yeah. He literally said that in the show. He said, I'm, yeah. going. He said, I'm yeah. still here. I must have done something right. Now, I think he's cool with all his ex I think he's cool with all his ex-wives and everything. And he's like, but damn, I must have did. Because he, he admit, he, and that's what's the one thing that I could appreciate. He's very honest. Besides his health, but he's very honest yeah. about it, stuff it, that he's done. Except when it comes to how he is in health right now. Because right. there's no except way he's his in health. health. But right, but you know, hey, most of us, you know, how many, how many of us, if somebody asks us how we're doing today, well, we feel like shit. We do like, oh, we good. You know what I'm saying? But as far as everything else, he has been completely and totally honest. And I think that's what kind of makes him endearing too. Because, I mean, at 73 years old, I kind of, okay, he could be Ric Flair, but also be like granddad too at the same time. You right. know what I'm saying? 
Like, you know, all right, all right, man, you know, you, 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 you pop out. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, to see him still living that life, I'm just like, golly, man, yeah, at some point you got to let it go. But then again, just like, <laughs> hey, you know, I'm, I'm riding this. I'm literally going to ride this until the wheels fall off. And that's what he's going to do. Because whenever, they, like you said, whenever that day, when that day come and then it, and it goes down or whatever, man, that's going to be a national day of mourning because he is a national world treasure. And how many of us have, I can even admit, that I have kind of patterned my life a little bit. The reason why I love watches so much is because of Ric Flair. All right. Um, a lot of us rappers, especially like a lot of entertainers, a lot of us have patterned ourselves after Ric Flair. Okay. I'm not to cut you off, but I'm glad you brought that up because they touched on that in the documentary that that kind of gave him like a second lease on life with yeah. the, the, the Migos and everybody else that, that, that picked up on uh Ric Flair drip and all that shit. Um, right. That that kind of gave him a second lease on life, but Kurt, I want to I want to ask you this. Um, I want to pick your brain for a minute because me and you have been watching for a little bit longer than Brandon. What do you think about Flair's seeming inability to separate Richard Flair from Ric Flair? It's confusing to me. I, I don't I understand what he's saying, but at this age and as long as you've been going on. I'm kind of, I, I don't understand. I, I think. And I, and I also think I, when Brandon was saying he's telling his, he's telling the truth. I think he's telling his version of what he thinks the truth is. Okay, I don't think there we go. That's a very good himself. point. Okay. That's a very good point. He's very. not being truthful with himself and he's telling himself what he want to hear, but exactly. not being honest with himself. Right. Because now, he has a problem and he's not listening to the people around him. And if he doesn't start listening you know, it could end bad. Hopefully, pray to God it doesn't, and he starts yeah. listening to the right people, but he's telling the version of truth what he think is right, and and it's not correct. Right. And he's, he's right. laughing at a lot of stuff that he needs to be... Well, f- from my perspective, he's laughing at a lot of stuff that he should take pretty seriously. Um, going back to the, the, the whole division between Rick, Richard Fleer and Rick Flair, um, I think the Part of it is, um, and, and like you said, he said it in the, in the documentary, he's a very, um, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Oh, damn it, I lost the word. He's not very confident as a person. And no, he's not. Combine that with the fact that he came into the business when you pretty much had to live your gimmick 24-7. And I think when, when wrestling kind of transitioned out of that when they killed kayfabe he kept going he was he was like he was still rick flair like he never stopped living that gimmick because that gimmick made him feel confident like like brandon said um one last thing i want to touch on before we head into the rest uh, uh wrestling aspect of it the the plane crash um i do think that it's pretty fucking amazing that at that time, um, and the and the limited medicine or or whatever they had at the time, medical procedures they had at the time, that he was able to come back within six months of a broken back, um, not like just a minor injury. I mean, there were people that died in that plane crash. So, um, side note to that, there's also a funny story. Uh, a pretty cool story, actually. In Jim Cornette's um, comic book, 
um, Johnny Walker was also on that plane and he was in the hospital, broken ribs and, and some other injuries. He checked himself out of the hospital, put his mask on and wrestled that night just to keep up kayfabe. Yeah, it was crazy. It, I heard it. It, it wasn't that, was that night. It was like three days later. Was it? Okay, yeah. I thought it was it was the same day he checked himself out. No, it wasn't the same it, day. It, it, it was three yeah. days later. Okay, Steve, but, but that's, either way, that's, that's, that's crazy. crazy. Yeah. Um. So now let's let's step into the wrestling aspect of it. Um. I think all of us know the three of us plus everybody that listens to this. Um. I think most of us would agree that Ric Flair is the greatest world champion of all time. Uh, they say that he's won 16, 17 world championships. The reality is it's been either 21. I think he said it on the documentary. It's like 21 or 22. Um, but they left a lot of stuff out that they could have mentioned that I think would have better served learning who Ric Flair is or how he became who he is. They did they did discuss the part of him going from uh rambling Ricky Rhodes to Ric Flair and thank you Vern Gagne for that. If you never did anything else in the wrestling business, which he did, thank you for for telling that man, look, you got a, a tailor made wrestling name, Ric Flair. Yeah. Thank God. <laughs> I, I can imagine Ricky a world where rambling Ricky Rhodes existed. Mm-mm. Um, no, but D- Dusty Rose told him the same thing. Like, listen, kid, don't do that. And, and, and Kurt, while you just chimed in, I'm gonna I'm gonna turn it over to you for a minute because um, both of us are are very passionate about the old school NWA and and the old territories. But um, you were the first one that brought it up when we did our pregame, so I want to turn it over to you for just a moment and explain to those people listening what the issue was with the wrestling side of the documentary, in your opinion. So in my opinion, everybody knows that Ric Flair became Ric Flair by being in the NWA. And my issue with WWE is you own the all the material, the library of the NWA. Why not incorporate that into a documentary to show the, his bigger career in NWA and not just try to be, it's all WWE. I thought they do the fans a disservice by not just showing everything, because what's the problem is you are you still own all of, it. Yeah. so not to include it. You know, I thought that was just just bad, and that's why I didn't like it as much as it could. It could have been a lot better, a Agreed. whole lot better. Agree, and and I think you 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 hit the nail on the head for me. It did the fans a disservice because there are a lot of wrestling fans right now who don't know Ric Flair beyond wwe and yeah. that that yeah. is a like no that's you, a, it's a crime that's yes a crime. there you go it's a crime yeah. because these fans are not seeing they're seeing rick flair at, at the very 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 end of his career and not seeing that prime rick flair that makes him the legend that he is for good bad good bad or indifferent that made him the legend that he is now brandon from your perspective do you agree with Kurt that, that they did the fans a disservice by not including more NWA footage? Um, well, as a younger fan, um, I guess you don't know what you don't know. 
and me being on, because I didn't really think about it until Kurt mentioned it. And I was sitting there thinking, I said, darn, they really didn't. They left out, and correct me if I'm wrong, but they left out the him and uh, uh, Ricky Steamboat, that trilogy and everything, because I kind of feel like, well, for me, as a younger fan, that's what made me fall in love with Ric Flair, seeing those three matches. Especially that first one at the Wrestle War 89. That's what made me fall in love with Ric Flair. The whole, the whole presentation, him coming down to the ring with the ladies and there. They showed a snapshot of it or whatever, but yeah. a lot of that stuff that he did in the NW, that's what put, that's what made Ric Flair Ric Flair. All of those promos, they didn't really go into, they didn't really go into like what went in behind those promos like that. Besides, I think he said what, everything, we all know that everything that he said that he did, that's what he did. But I'm like, those promos are legendary. That's what kind of got people invested. And then once you seen him get in the ring and do what he did, that's what got people invested. That's what moved the needle. That's what made the NWA. He's really part of the reason why the NWA became what it was. And for them to not, it probably would have added another hour to the documentary. It would have been three hours instead of two. But for them to not put that part of history Inside of that documentary from the time he was in Mid-Atlantic until he became the nature boy Ric Flair worldwide when everybody started to know him and everything. It, I think it does, uh, especially the old school fans who really love Ric Flair and love that old NWA and love the territories and everything. It did do a disservice because it's like you kind of disrespecting this man's whole history because the basis of it all was when he was in the NWA. When he Once he got to the WWE, Ric Flair was in his forties. He was in the twilight of his, technically he was in the twilight of his career. He was no longer in his prime. So. Let me let me interrupt you there, Brandon. I apologize yeah. for interrupting you, but I, cool. I, I disagree with that because I think a lot of wrestlers, at least from when when the way things used to be done, mm-hmm. they didn't really hit their stride until about between thirty to forty. So I still think he had plenty of gas left in the tank. I just think that Jim Hurd damn near ruined him. No, 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 no. I'm not saying that he didn't have gas in the tank. I ain't saying that. Gotcha, okay. Because, yeah, he had plenty of gas in the tank. But what I'm saying is, the thing that we revered Ric Flair for was that stuff that he did in the uh, late 70s and 80s. Once the 90s hit, he went to the WWE, he was still the same Ric Flair, but it wasn't quite the same. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, and I, don't, I I'm not saying that it, was, it, wasn't, it wasn't his fault. You know, it was, that's when you know, the powers that be came into place and began to kind of stifle him a little bit, you know? So that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. No, of course, at that time, we at that age, yeah, you, because you unite now in the wrestling business, you know what you're doing. That's what they, that's what a lot of them say. When you late 30s, you know what you're doing. You know exactly what you're doing. You're in control. And that's when you put on some of your best stuff. But in my opinion, I feel like Ric Flair's best stuff was in the 80s. Once it hit the 90s and everything, it just, you know, you just kind of seen it gradually kind of trail off a little bit. Yeah. And I think we all can agree that his best work was when he was in NWA. Absolutely. Right. Without question. There's no <laughs> doubt about it. His, his WWE work can't match up to it at all. Nowhere. To, absolutely. It, it doesn't measure up. It's not even close. To not quote, even close. To at quote all. Shivani, you're absolutely right, Curtis. <laughs> <laughs> um, for me, yeah, it, it was it was a huge omission on the part of the producers of this documentary to leave out so much NWA footage. Look, I get it was WWE produced, but like Kurt said, they own the rights to that stuff. They have everything. The, the, the they could literally do 
I mean, cut y'all, but they could literally do a Ric Flair anthology based on the NWA alone. Absolutely. I think, a whole anthology. I think that they made a mistake, just as you said, Brandon, for not talking about the trilogy with, with Steamboat. They didn't talk about the, the matches with Terry Funk. Yeah, I forgot um, to mention that, too. And yeah. all of the, the rivalry between him and Dusty. Um, yeah. Because as much as – I think looking back on it now, knowing what I know – I think that's why Ric Flair was so competitive with Dusty because he looked up to Dusty and he wanted to be like Dusty. But then I think Dusty kind of was like, chill kid, go over there. Not that he didn't respect Ric Flair, but I think, you know how you, one of you guys said um, when we went to StarCast, they say never meet your role models or whatever. And I think that may have been kind of the case with Ric Flair being uh, lacking confidence. I think that kind of uh, that kind of pushback from Rhodes is what fueled his fire to be so competitive with Dusty. And Dusty, Lord knows I love the man, great legend of wrestling. Dusty was an egomaniac. It was so with with Flair being as competitive. He wanted to show Dusty how good he was. Dusty being the egomaniac that he was, God bless him, he wasn't going to let Ric Flair have the last word, which made some of those fucking promos the best things you've ever seen on wrestling. Because Dusty Dusty would come out and cut one, and then Rick had to come out and cut one. Yeah. It was a real, that rivalry between Ric Flair and Dusty Rose was real. Yeah, if yeah. Ric Flair went and bought him a a, a fur coat, Dusty Rhodes, and he, this ver this is like verbatim. This with I, I can't remember what I was watching, but I remember Dusty saying it. Uh, it Might have been one of those Legends Roundtable shows or something. I just can't remember. But <laughs> if Ric Flair went and bought a uh, if, if Ric Flair went out and bought a Rolls Royce, uh, Dusty Rhodes went out and bought a Maybach. If Ric Flair bought a fur coat. Uh, Dusty Rhodes went and found a bigger fur coat. Yeah, and so on and so. If Ric Flair went and bought another house. Dusty Rose went and found a bigger house and might as well say move next door to him. <laughs> but it was like a real legit rivalry. You know, and that's what made this stuff classic. And I was kind of did when I kind of thought about it because I didn't think about it at first. I think I think this documentary leaned more into Rick's personal life than the wrestling side because we have a lot of documentaries about Rick and his wrestling side. But I would but I would have liked to have seen uh that trilogy with uh that trilogy with uh Ricky Steamboat, uh Terry Funk. And mainly that dust that rivalry with Dusty Rose and the Four Horsemen and all of them because that's what really put them on the map back during that time. That's what made them. Because I feel like we wouldn't the Nature Boy Ric Flair wouldn't be the Nature Boy Ric Flair with all of those with all all of those things happening. So while I agree with you that there there have been at least three documentaries on Ric Flair's wrestling career, the title of this documentary was Becoming Ric Flair. And you cannot tell that story without going in depth into the NWA. Right. Correct. So Correct. they didn't have to show matches. They didn't have to show video clips. But I think they should have talked to some of the, the still living uh, representatives from the old NWA. They're still playing. Why didn't they Ricky go the talk? Dragon Steamboat wasn't in a documentary, but, right? So this the thing, though. Why not show clips and matches, and, and why not? That no, makes no, it I'm, even I'm that much you. better. 
I'm with you. Cause, cause that to makes me, it that much better. Yes, because to me, you cannot tell that story without the NWA and show those clips and then mix those clips with his comments and facts about yeah. Ric Flair coming up in the NWA. Because to say becoming Ric Flair, and you tell about his childhood, did a good job of that, good job of his teenage years, briefly touched on the NWA, and then went right to WWE. Fuck, right. Ric Flair, and like you said, Brandon, Ric Flair was in his 40s when he got there. So what the fuck happened between 1972 and 1991? And even if you don't want to touch on the 70s, just hit the hot 80s when he was red, when NWA was red hot, Jim Crow Promotions, just talk about that window mm-hmm. and then lead up to when he left and came to WWE. Absolutely. But you can't just skip all of it and just go straight to WWE. It, it's right. not complete. It's not complete. Absolutely. Nope. So wrapping it up with the with the Ric Flair yeah. documentary, um, Brandon, what's your final thoughts on the documentary? And what, what grade, A to F, you know, like we in school or something, what would you give the documentary? Well, well, oh, wow. Thanks a lot, Ron. Remind me that I'm at work. Um, <laughs> that's why you. That's why you, in particular, are skilled to make this. There we go. I'll flip um, around on overall, you. Overall, <laughs> overall, I would give the do- I would give the documentary a B minus. Okay. I would give it a, D- a B minus. Um, I thought the production was good. I thought the interviewing was good, and I liked the fact, like how you said earlier, the interviewer was not afraid to um, ask, like you know, the the the, uh, the tough questions. Um, so I, I just thought that was very well done. The only thing that knocked it for me from being an A was them not going into, uh, the NWA and not touching on those, uh, those rivalries, because that's what, to me, that's what made the nature boy, Ric Flair, the nature boy, Ric Flair. And I don't think that it would have been a nature boy, Ric Flair this huge without those rivalries that time that he was in the NWA. And I, that, that's very, very important. So yes. I don't know if they would do. I don't know if they would do like, you know, a part two or whatever when they go more in depth into that. I don't think they will, but you know, it is what it is. But I give it, I give it a B minus. You said B as in boy? Yes, B okay. as in boy. Okay. I was just making sure. Um, Kurt, what about you? What, what final thoughts do you have about the, um, the paper, the pay per view, the documentary, and what grade would you give it? Okay. Uh, I thought the production was good. The end of questions by, by the interview were good. But um, I'm going to go back to the ESPN 30 for 30. I, I thought that was an F because I didn't like how they presented it. And I'll give this a D because it's like, as a teacher, you can appreciate this, Brandon. Yeah. If your student is writing the paper, but they miss all the highlights uh, and the meat of it, then how can you give them a, 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 a good grade when you missed everything? So well, that's why, I'm, that's why yeah, I it depends D. on well, my bad. Yeah, it depends on who I'm grading to. Yeah, because if 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 I'm, if I'm dealing with a class that has that I expect a little bit more from, I'm gonna grade them a whole lot harder. I'll put it that way. Yeah, but I give it a D in my opinion. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, for me, uh, I like the documentary. Um, I love the fact that they they did focus more on the personal side, which makes sense because it's becoming Ric Flair. Uh, as I noted here, I, I think it's a grave disservice to not only Ric Flair, but to, but to wrestling fans everywhere that they try to tell this story without very much of the NWA involved. Um, as far as a grade goes, I'll probably agree with, 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 with Brandon and give it a B minus. 
Um, the production was great. The interviewer was great. Uh, I just, it's just a huge miss to me if you don't include the NWA. Um, yeah. And and I I agree with Kurt's analogy and and not to shoot you down or beat you down Brandon but um, if I'm if I'm grading students and I say tell me the story of the Great Depression and they tell me the effects of the Great Depression but they never tell me what caused the depression mm-hmm. I can't give them a good grade because you didn't what caused the depression I know the effects I wanted to know about the Great Depression. You didn't right. tell me how it started. You didn't tell me anything that led up to it. You just told me what happened after the Great Depression. And that's kind of what I think they did with this documentary. Um, I agree. But I, yeah. I still give it a B a B minus. Um, I still liked it. Now, before we wrap up the show, <laughs> it appears that the genetic jackhammer is back. Um... Oh, wow. I ain't heard that one in a minute. <laughs> For those who don't know who the genetic jackhammer is, that would be Vincent Kennedy McMahon. Uh, it appears that the rumors are true that he has stepped back into his role uh, with the board of directors for WWE. Um, I believe he also stepped back to the head of that table and brought uh, two people with him. Let me find their names. Give me just one second. Uh, Uh, Michelle Wilson and George Berrios. Uh, He brought those two back with him. And he says he's doing this to uh, fully capitalize on the upcoming media rights negotiations. Um, And he wants to give the people making those negotiations, the confidence to knowing that the number one shareholder in the company is there. Um, Bluntly, I call bullshit on that. Um, I'm not saying there's no truth to that, but I, I don't think it's just that. I think he has sat at home this entire time itching to get back. Um, He's 77 and dude, just ride off into the sunset, man. You, you, this the last what six months, eight months, or whatever it's been now, of all these revelations of his indiscretions and paying money, and yeah, he he used his personal money, but he still he still did not report that like he was supposed to. So he he did financial damage to the company. And he hurt the company's reputation in a sense. I just say sit home, count your money, and fuck as many people as you want to now. But uh, what do you say, Kurt? I mean, he's coming back. What what are your thoughts on this? No, I, I totally agree with you. I call bullshit on all of it. Um, it makes the WWE look bad. Just go sit down. You got you have enough money, and and, and just leave it alone. Yeah. Just leave it alone. Just ride off, like you said, ride off to the sunset. You know, go take a trip around the world and just enjoy the rest of your life. To to me, and before I get to you, Brandon, to me it's kind of like looking at the movie uh, The Godfather. Mike finally became the head of the Corleone family. But people would still want to see Don Corleone every so often. 
So he would meet with them and reassure them that Mike's doing the job he's supposed to be doing. Talk to Mike, blah, blah, blah. <clears throat> to me, that's what Vince should be doing. Yeah, I'm here. I'm still the majority shareholder. I still hold all the power. But Stephanie and Tony, uh, not Tony Khan, but Nick Khan are running the show now. They, they're doing exactly what they need to be doing. They have my full confidence. That's how you instill confidence, in my opinion. Not coming but, back and, and seemingly undermining the people that are in place now. So I disagree with that because you left in scandal. So it's right. a bad look when you your name is even brought up. So don't even come back. Right. Now, I'm, I'm with you. A hundred percent with you. I'm just saying in the analogy that I used from the Godfather, the Godfather was out. Don Corleone was out. Vito Corleone was no longer running the family. He was he was literally growing tomatoes in his garden. And to me, that, that should be Vince. And if somebody wants to come see you because they don't have the confidence in Michael Corleone, sure, go meet with him. But Vince should turn them right around and say, look, they're the leaders now. They have my confidence. I'm, I'm still the man. I got the power, the voting power, but they're running the show. To me, he's undermining them. I'm 100% with you. He should not come back. I want to make that perfectly clear in any capacity. So, Brandon, no. what, what about you, man? What, what thoughts do you have on this on this shit? Uh, <laughs> on this shit. Um, I'm not shocked at all that Vince end up coming back. Um, they say he's just you know he's just going to be on the board of directors, but I could definitely see him trying to come back and take some type of control over the company and how things are ran. Um, I wish for some reason, especially these guys that's been around the wrestling business pretty much all their life, it's kind of hard for them to let it go. And then on top of that, like Vince left in scandal. So it does, I agree with Kurt, when it does make the, it does make the WWE look bad because it's like you kicked them out for this reason, for a reason that's terrible. And then now you're letting them come back in and have a say-so over the sale of the company when in actuality he shouldn't have a say-so at all. But then again, I think it's like some some stocks or whatever that's involved in it and whatever. Yeah, so he holds like, I think it was like 85% of, right. of the WWE stocks. Right. And so in that case, you know what, technically because of money, you know, because of that, he's still, he, hey, I'm still powerful or whatever. But um, like y'all said, you know, he, if you got, you still got the power, I right, fine, but let the company still, and they say in the article that, you know, he's going to keep everything the way it is with who's running what. And I hope that he stays true to that because I think that it will be, not only will be a disservice to the people that's in the company, but I think it will be a disservice to the fans as well because the fans are now starting to come back to the WWE and get more invested in it since he's been gone. He's no longer have creative control. I just don't want him to come back and have creative control again and do all that crazy shit that he was doing just because he got off on it or whatever. So, yeah, I mean, how old is Vince? What, 77, right? 78? 77. 77. So, I'm like, just go ahead let it go. Yeah. Go home, right? chill with your grandkids. Um, I don't know if him and Linda are still married or separated, whatever they think is, but whatever it is you want to go do, go do that. Enjoy your, enjoy your time to ride out the rest of these years. Let these folks run your company, and if they want to, we all knew eventually it's probably going to get sold. So that, just oh, put ahead. that in the hands of people that you can trust, and hope. And and I, I think you know, as far as like we you know with your kids and everything, I'm sure if they're going to sell that company, they're going to make sure it's in good hands. 
So you you bring know. up you bring up him and Linda. Um, I don't know if you knew this, Brandon, but at least rumors were, and I believe it's been it's been uh, confirmed. But Linda is living in Florida. Vince is still living in Connecticut. So it has been since she since she lost her bid for uh, for uh, senator or whatever. Yeah, um, that's been a few years. So I, I I think right now it's more of a marriage of convenience than anything else. That's pure speculation on my part. Yeah. Um. I mean, they've been together this long. A divorce right now at, at this age really doesn't do anything for either one of them. Um, yeah. Even if even if Linda took everything, okay, you took everything. Now what? You're you're in your seventies too. Now what? What are you going to do with all that money? Right. Um, and Vince McMahon at seventy seven, bro, you've got a, more money than you can spend in your lifetime. Like, yeah. go on a fucking vacation, sell the world. I don't know, maybe maybe that time off. Maybe he did. Maybe he did. Maybe, <laughs> maybe. he went and did. Maybe he took he took some time and just did stuff that he didn't get a chance to do. Maybe I would hope so. I, I don't and, know. I mean, you know he and he just decided after hey, you know what? Now nah, this this because you gotta think of it like this, man. That company is his baby. Right, I agree. You know what I'm saying? It's like it, it's kind of hard. It's like you know, you know, our parents say sometimes it's kind of hard to let your kids go. Mm-hmm. That company is like his child, so. I'm sure it was this, especially he didn't leave on his own terms. Speaking speaking of his his child, um, what do you think? What do you, both of you think when I say this? Shane McMahon is the smartest one out of all of them. He probably he, is. What I mean by that is he got the hell. He's not dealing with any of this, and he's benefiting from it. Yeah. He got the hell on. He got the hell on a long time ago. They yeah. talked about it. I'm not going to say he's the smartest because I, I actually think that he wanted to be where Stephanie is now, but Vince didn't see that and didn't want it. And I think that's why he, he just left and not even being part of it right now. Right. Yeah. And, and we, we've we heard over, over the years that Vince always leaned more towards Stephanie because she was more like him. And that um, allegedly Shane was more like Linda. More, more compassionate. More, he's more laid back. Yeah, more laid back. And not only that, but Shane don't need to worry about this. Shane's got his <laughs> his own wealth. He married into wealth. He is married to the woman who is the daughter of Mazzola, uh Cooking Oil. So I mean, Shane's set as far as money goes. Shane is set. Um, not that's not to say that, that Triple H and, and Stephanie aren't. I just think that um, Shane is better off because he doesn't have to deal with this headache. Um, Stephanie is having to deal with this headache. This I can only imagine that that for her, this must be a nightmare come true. Not yeah. saying she doesn't love her dad. Not saying she doesn't care about him. But you finally get this chance. And it's like he cannot stay away to save his life. Sometimes I sit back and wonder, like, with all this stuff that be going on, I be wondering what the conversations they have about their dad. <laughs> because we, remember when Stephanie came out after Vince, you know, he, they had that Vince, you know, quote unquote, retired, and she came out and did that thing in Madison Square Garden that night. Mm-hmm. And I was just looking at her, and I'm just like, for some reason, I can kind of tell she's kind of pissed. 
or something because something's just a little bit off, but she know, like, I don't even really think that she even wanted to go out and address the crowd about that shit, but she feel like, okay, there's something that you gotta do because, yeah. you know, my dad is my dad. So, you know, man, I, I just, sometimes I just sit back and wonder, like, I wanted to, I just would love to be a fly on the wall to it's listen to in- some of those conversations that go on behind those walls. It's going to be interesting to see what happens. Yeah. 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 Now, bef- before we wrap it up, uh, the show itself and this talk about, about Vince McMahon coming back, um, as a result of all of this being found out, his infidelities, his payoffs and all that, the New York State's district or uh, attorney's office has allowed them to reopen the case of that, that lady uh, referee from back in, I think, the late 80s. Who accused him of raping her? Um, huh? Yeah, there, there's a woman that accused him of rape back in I want to say it was the late early, uh, late early, late eighties, early nineties. I cannot remember her name at the moment, and I just shut my computer down. But um, yeah, and and in the midst of all of this coming out, uh, New York State uh, allowed them to reopen this case. It never went to trial. Um, as far as I know of, there was never any payoff to her. But her her allegations are that he was offering her a $500,000 contract at that time for, sex, for, for in exchange for sexual favors. And... I guess he he pushed himself on her or whatever. I don't know the full facts, but I do know that that case has been reopened. So that's leaning over his head too. And this is still a publicly traded company. Wow. So we can say whatever we want to about Vince McMahon and him paying off women or whatever. As far as we know, that was all consensual sex. So we can say whatever we want to about those situations, but this is an actual accusation of rape so it'll be interesting to see where that goes from the from the standpoint of being a publicly traded company and um i'll say this uh, about that being a publicly traded company has been both a blessing and a curse to wwe there is in my opinion at least there's no way possible that they would have made a billion dollars last year had they never became a publicly traded company. The downside of that is now everything has to be disclosed in terms of your financials and all of that. And that was a detriment to them. Vince McMahon can't do what he wants to do anymore. um, Like he used to back in the day, he has to answer to shareholders. He has to think about his, his, his stock prices and how whatever decision he makes may affect those things. So to me, the, the whole publicly traded thing was a blessing and a curse. And I personally am like uh, Jim Cornette. Wrestling was never meant to be a corporate business. It was never meant to be a publicly traded entity. I agree. So, all right, gentlemen. Well, that's all we got for today, ladies. Wait a minute. We're missing one. We're missing one. We're missing one. Say what? We're missing one. Sasha Banks. Ah, thank you. 
Because Ron is a little forgetful. <laughs> and I couldn't understand Brandon because I'm deaf. So, um, <laughs> yes, I'm sorry about that, ladies and gentlemen. I was trying not to yield. <laughs> we, we do have one other thing that, that um, I completely forgot is Sasha Banks' debut with New Japan Pro Wrestling. Um, and alleged rumors that she was drunk or inebriated in some way. Um, I haven't seen the clips. I've seen still pictures, but I haven't seen video clips. Um, have you guys seen the, any video clips or anything? I know, Kurt, you said you tried looking. I have. She, she I didn't look drunk to me, but the, um, <laughs> her interest in the little the promo or her debut, it could have been a lot better because that, that it was bad. I didn't. I didn't like it at all. Okay. And uh, what did what did you see, Brandon? I did see video. I watched the entire video um, from you know finish, not, not finish, but her entrance and everything. Um, I she didn't look drunk to me. She didn't look drunk to me at all. But then again, if she did have a little something before she went out there, I mean, okay. But she didn't look drunk. Um, as far as the whole presentation, I didn't like it. Um, especially, you know, the, the, the theme music, she did that rip off of crisscross or whatever. And this, the hat, just the whole presentation. Like I just, I didn't like, it could have been done I'm with Kurt. It could have been done so much better. I expected I, a little bit more. And I don't like her name at all. I don't understand her name is Mercedes and I'm fine with that. But that Mercedes Monet, that I, get out of here with that. You can do yeah. a lot better with that. Yeah. That, that, it was just too much. It could have just been, she could have just stuck with Mercedes and it'd have been fine. It would have been that would have been fine. Correct. Right. Oh man, not not the crisscross throwback. Wow. Yeah, they, she did a rip off of the, the her theme music is a rip off of that crisscross jump. Yeah. And I'm just like, what in the been, hell? Uh, whole, it could have been a whole lot better. And, damn. Lot. Here's the funny thing. Like I I don't know exactly how old she is, but was she even like old enough to really remember crisscross? Well, she's younger than know. me, but I no, no Chris, she's, uh, Mercedes Monet. <laughs> Mercedes is younger. She's younger than me. So, but then again, that Chris calls drunk. Like, no, my seven, my, my, my seventh graders know that song. So, okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, Mercedes Monet. And that, that makes me, um, I'm a big fan of Mel Brooks. When I hear the name Monet, it always makes me think of the the part in the movie, History of the World Part 1. Mind you, there was never a Part 2. But History of the World Part 1, where they're in, uh, like, 17th century France, and there's a guy named Count de Monet. And every time he comes up, the the servants or whatever there in the in the the court or whatever they they start yelling count the money's coming count the money's coming and it's hilarious if you have to watch the movie i know it sounds lame as fuck when i'm explaining it but um you have to watch the movie to to get it it's hilarious so now i'm going to start calling her mercedes money so. you know what i think of you know what i think of when i hear mercedes oh what's that and I, I think y'all know who I'm talking about. Y'all remember the, uh, the, the, the chick that used to rap for No Limit, Master P label? Mia X. She had the album that never, they said, they, I don't know if the album ever actually came out, but they said they, they promoted the album and it never came out. No, it came out. It oh, came it came out. out. 
Yeah. So <laughs> every time I hear, because I remember that part of the documentary that I remember that interview <laughs> that they did on the Breakfast Club when Charlemagne brought up Mercedes in that album cover and Master Peabody almost jumped over that table. <laughs> and so every time I hear Mercedes, that's what I think about. That one made Master P say, ugh. Yeah, because oh, Master P got in his feelings when he brought up Mercedes, man. All that, you know, but hey. <laughs> <clears throat> and hey, look. Master P is wrestling related, so oh, it, yeah. it, it fits within this this uh, this podcast. <clears throat> All right, gentlemen, I'm we're getting ready so. to get out of here. We uh, we had a great show today, in my opinion. Um, Kurt, you got any final thoughts before we get out of here? Um, good show, and I hope y'all enjoy the rest of the weekend, and everybody else enjoy the weekend. Yes, sir. Brandon, what about you, man? Yeah, this I, I agree. This is a great show today. And um, everybody, enjoy your weekend. Enjoy the rest of the week. Hope y'all catch the fight tonight. And uh, go dogs Monday night. Oh, yeah, that is coming on Monday night. Who's fighting tonight? Um, Javante Davis. Javante Davis and uh, somebody named Garcia. Oh, okay. So it should be on the fire stick round, so you should be able to see it. Yep. All right, I'll check it out. Uh, For me, I just want to say I I enjoyed the show. I had a lot of fun doing this one today. I like the new... Uh, set up of us doing the AEW Good, Bad, and Ugly. So, folks, look forward to that. We may even start doing some other shows like that. Who knows? But um, my final thoughts are um, I do not think there should be a part two to that Ric Flair documentary. I do not think there should ever be another Ric Flair documentary because yeah. there are like 16, 17 million of them now. Um, they don't need any more. But, uh, but, as always, I still love wrestling, so I continue to torture myself week in and week out because I keep hoping that things will get better. Unfortunately, it doesn't look like they are. But so, you know what? Hey, we got, I don't mean to cut you off, but we got one, but we have one thing to look forward to every week, and that's the bloodline. So eh, that's, that's the good thing. You know, we have one thing, we have at least one thing to look forward <laughs> to seeing every single week. So. All right, ladies and gentlemen, you all have a great weekend. Have a great week next week. Stay safe, love, and and recognize your families. Um, And we'll see you all back here next week for another episode of Wrestling With My Thoughts. Peace. Peace. All right, see you all.